0: You guys can have a seat. I hope you're enjoying your extended summer, right? Um, When at the beginning of the year, and I signed up for the zoo field trip in October, I thought, oh, it's going to be nice and cool. And when I went Friday, it was like 91. So, yes, so I think this week it's getting cooler though. So, fall's coming, fall's coming. So, you're in a good mood this morning if you're a Sooners fan. If not, maybe not so much. I don't know. I'm not sure. I just know we won. So good job, good job sooners. Um, if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad you're here. Um, we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to go to our website, which is mybethel.cc/ connect. And there, there's a form you can fill out with just information so we can reach out to you this week and just see how we can answer any questions or better serve you. So, whether you're online or in person, we would love to connect with you. And if you're in the house today, the seat back in front of you has a QR code that you can just start right there and it will take you to the form as well. We are continuing in our series called Kill the Spider. I saw some spiders this week in my house, like figuratively and like the real spider. But we're learning that just clearing the cobwebs isn't really doing anything, right? Because the cobwebs are just gonna keep coming back. We have to get to the root of the issue and kill the spider so the cobwebs will stay away. And today um, we're gonna be looking at vulnerability and how being vulnerable actually is the start of the healing process. And being vulnerable can be hard sometimes, right? Like some of us are like, "Eh, if I tell you who I really am, are you still going to love me? And so we're going to look at that today in God's word and see how we can start with vulnerability to kill those spiders in our life, um, to clear the webs. So let's get started. Kill the spider.
1: Good morning, Bethel. How are you guys doing? Some of you are doing awesome. Christy was like, We won. I'm not sure why she included everyone in that, but you know, okay. Oklahoma, okay. Um, so this week we're on week two of Kill the Spider. Now, if you've been at Bethel for any amount of time, this is our fourth year to talk about this subject, and you may be asking yourself, Why do we got to keep coming up with this Kill the Spider? And I think the, the spider, it's just like at your house when you have. Uh, spider, maybe you spray or bug spray your house. You do it once and you got to come back the next year and do it again. The next year you got to do it again. It doesn't just last forever. And I think these spiders end up creeping back up. Um, I was walking out this morning. It was uh, real early this morning and I opened my garage door and the big old fat thing just like ran towards the house. and I was like, uh-uh, not today. You know, just like squish. Um, and you could do that or you could spray for it and hopefully it'll last longer. That's what we're hoping that this series is. is this kind of like a, a like a, a reset in our mindset. And this this idea of shame, this this topic that we're working through, shame, is something that really, really does affect all of us. You may not be able to describe it because shame is is hard to define, but shame is really the 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 biggest driver, the 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 most the biggest factor that drives most of our decisions and the way we interact with other people. Kind of like how how open are we going to be with the people around us? Um, All of us have kind of two different people, maybe three different people. We have our home person. We have our work person. We have our church person. And when we look in scripture, we're supposed to be the same. We're supposed to have some consistency. We're not supposed to put up walls and masks and barriers. Um, Before we jump in too far, I have an apology to make. Um, I last Sunday said something. And if if you've been at Bethel, you know the kids ministry is our biggest, like we love kids. Bethel kids is our our most important thing, and so we have our Sunday morning crew for our two services. We have our Wednesday night crew um, as well uh, that just started two weeks ago. And the kids have a blast, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday or, or Wednesday night. They have a really good time. Last week I said that the kids are having more fun on Wednesday. So if you want your kids to have fun, come on Wednesday. You know that's really offensive to the children's workers. So I want to apologize for that because I. Um, The people that give their time for our kids—it's a—it's a a big deal, and I really appreciate all the work and effort that they give. Our motto is "Save Fun Jesus." That's our kids ministry vision. We want them to be have safe. Be safe. Uh, a kid that's safe is going to be able to have fun, and a kid that's having fun is going to be able to learn about Jesus. And so that's our, our process. So I wanted to start up front by saying I'm sorry uh, for those words that I said. Um, it was really just a joke, but you know I, I can understand how that, that would affect you if you work in kids' ministry. So um, that, that being said, it's hard to come to a point where you actually admit that something's wrong. And that the whole point of this series is to look at the things that develop cobwebs or symptoms in our lives. And these symptoms come up in many different ways. These, these symptoms affect us in many different ways. And a lot of us go to a doctor or go to scripture or go to God to relieve the symptoms. And so we just want a quick fix pill to relieve the symptoms instead of actually chasing down the source. And so the source of cobwebs, the source of the symptoms in our lives, whether it be fear, anxiety, depression, um, shame, there's a, there's a lot of of symptoms that, that lead back to a source and so we're trying to we're trying to actually deal with that in this series and today we're going to talk about vulnerability we're going to be in three different passages we typically don't do this but this um this topic is spread throughout scripture and how jesus the great spider killer came to this earth and he took on our sin and he carried our sin and yet what you and i try to do is you and i try to pick those back up and carry them when jesus actually took care of those on the cross um, so we're going to be in Psalms, we're going to be in Genesis, and we're also going to be in John in the New Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, you can turn to Psalm first, we'll be there first. Psalm 51, we're going to finish out the passage we started last week. Um, but if you have your Bibles, uh, your, your smartphones, you can go to the Bible app. There's a live event there. You can follow us along in the live event. Of course, we'll have them here on the screen as always. If you're joining us on- online, welcome. Um, I know a lot of people travel down to Texas, so you're just watching us from Texas, you know, from God's country is what I've heard. I mean, isn't that offensive? I mean, come on, Ray, stop it. Okay. So, um, what are... I want you to think about some things before we jump in about things that you should never turn your back on. Like, you should never turn your back on danger, and yet a lot of us do. So, I was thinking through different dangers that could be... I asked our worship team, what are some things you should never turn your back on? Someone said a snake. Someone said fire. Someone said, um, what else did they say? I can't even remember now. Several little dangerous things, right? A lion. Someone said a lion. Um, and I was thinking about bears. For some reason, bears popped in my head because um, I've gone am camping a lot, and I've been out walking a lot. And i have always thinking in my head, okay, what would I do if a bear um, showed up? And I had an experience a few years ago in Tennessee with my family when Max was a baby. He was, he was born, we went to Tennessee, and there was this bear that came out by, by our cabin. And for some reason, I thought I could get down there and take a picture, you know, kind of close. So I got down there with my, my camera, and he was over there eating something, I don't know, it was trash or something. And I got real cl- close with my Zent lens. The next thing I know, he was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, whoop, he's running towards me. Get out of the way, right? F- run away. Now, if you've read about bears, depending on the kind of bear is what you do. <laughs> And so if you, if you can stop and ask the bear what kind of bear it is, then you'll know how to proceed, right? Um, there's some bears that you're supposed to fall on the ground and play dead and protect your neck. And um, polar bears, I, I watched this video and I was like, okay, so what's the, what do you do with a polar bear? And the, the guy said, with a polar bear, you just need to fight like your life depends on it, because it does. <laughs> and so, punching the nose and the eyes and whatever. So, you got to fight. I read somewhere that certain bears, you got to act bigger than you are. And so, if you'll raise your arms up real big, and you'll be real tall, the bear will think you're a tall threat, because the taller your arms are, the, the, the more menacing you are. But I mean, there's people that carry around bear spray, um, you know, f- fight as if your life depends on it, never turn your back. And I think that the thing is, you never, ever turn your back on a bear because that's when it'll, t- it'll attack you. Actually, you got to face the enemy. you got to face the killer. Many of us actually turn our backs on the spiders that affect us because we think, oh, it's up in the corner. It's down in the, the bottom. It's in the door crack. I think I can turn my back on this, and it'll be okay, and we try to ignore the very thing that will destroy us, the very thing that will affect all our relationships, and so our biggest mistakes when we're dealing with this topic, is to turn our back and act like they're not there. We turn our backs on them, and then when we uncover the spider of shame and we try to ignore it, that very spider will reach in and it will it'll mess up all of our relationships. It'll mess up our our emotions, and it'll cause us to cause some. Uh, it'll cause us to make some decisions that we really don't want to take. Don't want to make. Shame is the original feeling that man and woman experienced in the garden when they ate the fruit that God said not to eat. And it's usually tied, shame specifically, is usually tied to some event, something that we did or something that was done to us when we were younger. It could be in the past or it could be in the present, but it's things that give us insecurity, avoidance, hiding, regret. It's elusive. It's hard to put our finger on what it actually means or what it is, but we do know it when we feel it. And so if you'll pay attention to yourself and you'll pay attention to what's going on below the surface, you'll know when shame rises up in your conversations because a lot of us will hide shame by cracking a joke or getting angry or possibly um, crying or running or hiding or trying to distract. It's kind of like the sleight of hand with a musician. It's a magician. It's kind of like that. It's like, look over there, What shame? And we're trying to cover it up. Shame actually leads us to different outbursts whether it's anger erotic behavior whether it's um addiction there's so many things that causes shame that 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 we try to do with shame and a lot of us even step into religious behavior meditation yoga maybe we'll read a self-help book how do i deal with this thing and it's usually something that will just take care of the symptom all of us have a root and all of us have this this fracture in our soul and our minds and we have to work on the actual fracture. So here's the definition that's on our screen. Spiders are the lies that we believe in the negative agreements we have made with ourselves and the world around us. And so it's always a lie. It's always something that we believe that's untrue. For example, here's some of the lies we believe. You're not good enough. What about you don't have what it takes? You'll never measure up. Do you remember what you did and you call yourself A follower of Jesus. Remember what was done to you? That means God really doesn't love you. You're just unlovable, or you're unloved, or you're alone, or you'll never, ever be good enough. You'll never have freedom. Last week, we saw that the feeling of joy removes the feeling of shame, and a lot of us need to figure out what it means, or how can we experience joy in the midst of an environment, in a a world that is very, very um, chaotic. A a world that seemingly doesn't have a lot of joy. So this week we're going to walk into the second part because joy, the feeling of joy removes the feeling of shame, but there's a step into joy and we're going to experience freedom from shame. And the, the topic that we're going to discuss today is actually vulnerability, being vulnerable. Vulnerability is described like this, susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm capable of being physically and emotionally wounded. So I want to not confuse us because shame is not something we should turn our back on to be wounded by shame. We actually should confront shame, and the way to step in towards confronting shame is to be vulnerable with what's going on inside. And so you have to think about when are we most vulnerable? When are the, when are the times in our lives that we are most vulnerable? When we're sleeping. Christy and I have an ongoing uh, conversation about this, she's shaking her head because she's saying don't do it, but it's like I have this thing for 20, almost 25 years, 24 years, almost in December, and I know at night when I go to sleep, things better be good between us, because she could take me out, because I'm a heavy sleeper, right? Now she says she never would, but she's shaking her head yes she could. It's scary because you're most vulnerable when you're sleeping. Now this is a two-way relationship, right? She is too. Um, Max, um, I, we're, we're in this process of trying to figure out some things with Max, and I go in at night to check on him. That guy, you can lift him up. You can talk to him. I mean, he is gone. He, he will not. He'll look you in the eye, but he is not there. He's not home. And it's, a, it's an amazing, it's a weird interaction with him. But vulnerability happens when we're asleep. What about when you love someone? When you love someone, you put your heart out there. And when you put your heart out there, you'll, you're vulnerable to pain. When we're in a situation where we're ill-equipped, if I told you right now to come up here and say something and you hadn't thought about it, i just call out your name. It will cause some anxiety to rise up in you and you may even get mad and run out crying. I know a couple of people I could call their name right now and they'd be like, you jerk, I'm never coming back. Because it's this ill-equipped, I'm not ready for it, I was unprepared and then I'm vulnerable. What about when you're alone? What about when you're exposed for who you really are? So the bottom line today, and this is the thing that I want to walk through, is that the very thing that brings us pain is the very thing that God uses to heal us. The very thing that would bring us pain is the very thing that God would use to heal us. And, and I want to differentiate from the pain that I'm talking about, because I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about something that happened to you or something that you experienced. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the pain in your mind that vulnerability would bring. Because if I really exposed who I was, the people around me wouldn't accept me. If, if I really said what was going on in my mind and my heart, then people would reject me. That's the pain that I'm talking about is the pain that I think will happen if I actually open up and I share my story. So being vulnerable is the thing that I'm talking about. The very thing that we think will cause us pain is the thing that God uses to heal us. So the next part of Psalm 51 shows a very vulnerable person we're going to go to verse 12 psalm 51 12 remember this is the story of david where david made some terrible decisions that led to him actually murdering someone maybe he physically didn't do it but he set it up for the guy to be murdered and he wrote this psalm as a repentance and as a crying out to god and exposing all of his shame verse 12 starts with this it says restore to me the joy of your salvation So this is the joy that we were talking about that he mentioned earlier in verse 11 as well. So, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. There's joy one more time. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. These are all action words that he's asking God to intervene in his life. He's asking God to do his part, and then David said he would do his part. You know, notice that David wasn't expecting God to do everything. He was expecting God to do the supernatural, the super part of it, and then he was going to do the natural part of it. And so he says right here, restore forgive, unseal. He's, he's asking God to do things that only God can do. Only God can restore us. Only God can forgive us. Only God can unseal our lips. And so David said he would do the work as well. You see the I will, I will, I will over and over again that if you'll do this, I will do this. The work, his work was a result of the work that God would do. And so when we're stepping into vulnerability, many of us want God to do all the work, Many of us just want God to come in and supernaturally change all our relationships, supernaturally change our hearts and our our mouths. And yes, when Jesus came and took our sins on the cross, he dealt with the root problem of sin, and then he invites us into the process of sanctification. He does the work, he set the path, and it's it's up to us to walk the path with him. Salvation is not on us. But the process of healing from shame is us engaging with him and inviting us into this process. Verse 16 says this, You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. And you do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. And so if you see this this thought of vulnerability, it's like, I realize I have a problem And I understand that you're the source to help with the problem and that I'm going to step into it. He was not trying to have a transactional relationship with God. And so when you think about this, not sinning is more than just behavior modification. A lot of us think that if I'll just create some actions, maybe create some steps, maybe I can do some things, rituals every day, that that would take care of my sin problem. But our sin problem has nothing to do with our behavior. Our sin problem has to do with something internal. He, he already knew that if he could fix it with a sacrifice, if he could fix it with a burnt offering, he would do it. He had already tried to pay for it. He had already tried to hide from it. He had already tried to cover it up and do penance, and nothing worked, and so he became vulnerable. It says right here that the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. It's a recognition of my problem. It's a recognition of my heart situation. It's a repentant and broken heart. So David opened himself up to pain and exposure, actually pain and exposure to God, knowing that God fully well could reject him. And yet he said, you desire a broken spirit. So we we fall into this pattern of modifying our actions. We train ourselves to stop certain actions without realizing that those actions are a result of a broken heart, a broken spirit. So if not sinning is our goal, think about this. If you were placed in the garden, just like Adam and Eve, if you were placed in the garden and given everything you could ever desire and your whole thing was simply not to rebel against God, could you do it? What are the chances that you'd actually go through and not rebel against God? Well, it's interesting because we look at Adam and Eve and we're like, man, they're just stupid. Except we don't look in the mirror and realize, oh, we, we do the same thing every day because our hearts are leading us astray. What, what would actually happen if we never sinned? Imagine a world where sin was not dominating our lives and those around us. How different would our interactions would be and how, how different would our relationships be? Many of us live like sin is not an issue, even though sin is the very thing that causes us our most regret. So why is admitting that we have a problem so hard? Why, why is it coming to the end of ourselves like David did? Because the reason that he got there was exposure, regret, shame, and then he stepped into vulnerability. And so why is it so hard for us to admit when we're wrong? Why, why, does it, why is it easy to sh- blame, uh, shift our blame to other people? It really takes an openness to wounding to admit that we need help. Being vulnerable is being honest and real about ourselves and not showing people, uh, or showing people who we really are, not the facade that we've expo- given them. So David exposed himself to God, himself, and the rest of the world. We see his story written out of him exposing himself. Look at verse 18. It says, Look with favor on Zion and help her rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. David understood this right here at the end of what he wrote, this poetry, is that his healing would bring about national healing. The healing that he did in his own heart and his own spirit would cause those around him to also understand that they need to be exposed and vulnerable. Our shame causes us to hide which in turn causes others to hide, which in turn causes others to hide. It's kind of like this domino effect that we all have that if I'm going to hide, you're going to hide, and none of us are going to be real. So being vulnerable is actually bringing into the light and allowing God to work through us, and once I do that, we can actually encourage others to do the same thing. It takes one person to take a step of telling their story, being vulnerable, so that others can follow the same pattern. There's this idea that we want to avoid bad people because bad people are going to affect us negatively. Well, how about good people affecting bad people positively? We need to be actually around people because we have the light of Jesus in our hearts. And so if we know God, if he is in our lives and he's affecting us and he's changing us, why not expose ourselves to people that we call bad? Because we're the ones that should be change agents. It only takes one person to be vulnerable in order to see healing in our community jesus actually gives us the greatest example of one who was vulnerable one who exposed himself to pain and to injury in the midst of our isolation jesus came into our mess and he came looking for us romans 5 8 says even though we were sinners jesus came for us and he died for us in the midst of our sin genesis chapter 3 I want to read the the verses we read last week and then kind of go forward a little bit. This is Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. They have been given everything, and then they take a step away from God, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. It says here, the woman was convinced. So this is Eve. She saw the fruit. She was convinced that it was good. The enemy told her that it was okay, that she would be wise, and so she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted wisdom it would give her. Someone told me this morning that it was probably a donut hanging off the tree. That's what... The the fruit was like this donut, so I could could be convinced. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And so this is the setup of the shame story, the first moment that humanity felt and experienced shame, realizing that our story will never be the same, that feeling when we're being exposed. So we hide. So when Adam and Eve entered into shame, the Lord came looking for them. Look at verse 8. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then when the Lord God called to man, where are you? Scripture opens up with a vulnerable God When it says, in the beginning, God created, that first statement and throughout scripture, it is a God that is exposing himself to rejection and pain from humanity. God opens himself to wounding, he opens himself even to death. By creating man, he simply put himself in harm's way to be vulnerable first so that we would have a path to follow. So he asked Adam and Eve, Where are you? This wasn't about geography, this wasn't about which tree are you hiding behind. He was asking them where they were in their hearts where was their condition he was actually inviting them into a connection with himself even though they had taken steps away from him he's inviting them into a place of vulnerability in order for them to know themselves better and to know him better what's interesting if you study this this word the lord god in genesis every time you see the lord god up into chapter four it's the word of the, the Godhead, the, the relational aspect of God. And so when you see Lord God, you can actually say this is the Son of God. This is the connector part of God that is trying to engage humanity. The Lord God was actually Jesus himself. Now, Jesus is the New Testament name given to the baby born in the manger. But this was the Son of God that was having a relationship. He was entering into a relationship with man. And he came looking for us 2,000 years ago. He came looking for us again he's on our side and he knows us and he loves us and we don't have to atone for our sins for ourselves we don't have to pay for our sins he actually came and took our place and he keeps asking us to this day over and over again where are you where are you and you may be here this morning and and for some reason you're at church and god has an appointment with you this morning and he's asking you the same question where are you jesus has always been vulnerable he's always opened himself up to rejection He's always opened himself up for the abuse of humanity. Even to this day, people still wound and reject him. But when one sinner repents, Scripture says he rejoices. There in John chapter 3, I want to read very familiar verses, um, but this kind of encapsulates this idea of Jesus being a vulnerable God. Verse 16, John three sixteen: For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves, and he sent his son. It says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. That's contrary to popular belief, that God is a judgmental God. Actually, no. It says here, but God wanted to save the world through Jesus. He became vulnerable. Verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him is, has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. We all live in judgment already, just by our own heart condition. And scripture says that when I believe in him, I'm no longer under judgment. It says, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. Isn't this the description of humanity is that when we, we know things are evil, we run to the, light, the, the darkness, we run to hide. We don't want people to really know who we are. Verse 20, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear of their sins will be exposed. Verse 21, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. Do you see the process here of hiding vulnerability of exposing coming into the light that's what vulnerability is is coming into the light so that others might have the possibility to wound you so we can say it like this jesus was vulnerable so we could be free jesus stepped into vulnerability so you and i could experience freedom he made himself completely vulnerable he left perfection he left the unity With the father, he laid aside his godness, his divine nature, and he became a man. He entered into this earth in a vulnerable state. He came as an infant. What is the most vulnerable creature that we have as an infant? Uh, Casey and Kaylee Crager just had a little baby, and, and they've got them all wrapped up like this because we understand that an infant is very, very vulnerable. They need to be protected. So, in human form, he was open to sickness, to disease, to the human nature, to everything that could happen. He came to deal with the very thing that separates us from God, which is our sin and our shame. He healed the sick. This was confronting the enemy, he actually cast out demons. This is the enemy. He also had ultimate victory on the cross. He sought out followers and disciples. He said, where are you, over and over again to disciples. He commissioned them to do the same work. And now he's sitting before the throne as an advocate for you and I to expose and to be vulnerable of our sin and shame. And he wants to connect us to the Father. So the very thing that brings us pain is the very thing that God actually uses to heal us. It's that feeling of being exposed and the fear of the consequences it's vulnerability that we need to step through and pi- pass through in order to experience a deeper connection with God and a deeper connection with others, and there's incredible freedom in this. If you've ever told your story, the story that you don't want anybody to know, to a trusted person, it's amazing what it happens. Because the more that I'm exposed, the more of me that's exposed to another, the greater my wounding could be for that person if they betrayed me, but it also opens up incredible connection and camaraderie with that person. If we're terrified of vulnerability, we'll never have freedom. So here's some things. How can we do this? Because if we live in Jesus, if we live in Christ, we will live our lives as he did. And so we need to find trusted people, find trusted people in our lives that we can be vulnerable with. And then I need to be a trustworthy person. So if I Need to find someone that's trustworthy? I need to be that trustworthy person as well. This is someone that I can be 100% honest with. Open to my deepest self. And then share your story. The third thing is just share your story. And the fourth is, don't turn your back on shame. Step into the light and expose to those around you. I'd like to pray for you. Let's pray. God, this morning as we're making decisions that will take us into a vulnerable state in order to be free. I know how scary and how terrifying this is, and then I look at what you did on the cross where you stepped into woundedness. You stepped into hate, and you stepped into our sin, and you took it upon your shoulders, and before the Father, you exposed the world's sin. And through that sacrifice, we have freedom, and you invite us into this cosmic... invite us into this cosmic fight against sin and shame jesus this morning as we as we head into worship i pray that you would give us the the power and the boldness to step into the light that we walk with one another with our arms locked together that we wouldn't turn our back on shame but we'd actually step towards it and expose it knowing that there's no more freedom it has no more power once it's exposed jesus meet with us now if you just remain there for a minute with your eyes closed i want to want to show you something but i just want you to listen to my voice and there's many of us that are not confident that jesus likes us very much many of us are hiding from the relationship he wants to have with us and I just want you to take a few minutes and I want you to take a few deep breaths with your eyes closed and I just want you to be aware of your surroundings right now just be aware of the room and the guitar playing and just this moment but just take a couple deep breaths you may hear someone breathing in the room you may hear kids running upstairs but with your eyes closed and your ears open and your heart open just take a minute and be aware of where you are. And I want you just to imagine with me for a minute. I want you to imagine that you're sitting in a garden. Not just any garden, but the most beautiful garden you can imagine. The most beautiful garden you've ever, ever seen. Just take a few deep breaths as you're observing this garden. There's a meadow. There's a path. There's stillness. There's peace. You see some trees, the smell of flowers, bees going flower to flower. You hear some birds and it's peaceful. And you're there all by yourself. You smell the outdoors and you Start strolling down the path. Right around the corner, there's a small little bench, and you decide to sit and enjoy the peace. So take yourself there and just sit there in that bench for a minute in the cool breeze and the beautiful, beautiful scenery around you. You hear a little rustle in the leaves and you hear the birds talking to one another and you feel completely alone. As you're sitting there, the wind begins to pick up and a little breeze, a cool breeze blows and you hear a voice out in the distance. This voice says, Where are you? your first reaction is to say nothing and actually hide and maybe he won't find me. Maybe he'll just walk on by and leave me alone. And so you sit there in the and you wait in the cool breeze and you hear again, where are you? And as you look up, you see... Jesus, and he says, ah, there you are, I've been looking for you, I'm so glad I found you, I'm not sure how we know it's Jesus, but we recognize that it's him, and he continues to walk and draw close to us, and as he does, he says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you, I know you. I'm so pleased with you, and he sits right down next to you and he wraps his arms around you and you feel his embrace. Can you feel him say, you are enough? You do have what it takes, I see you, I care about you, you're never alone. You are free, and I love you. As you're ready, we're going to stand and worship.
0: You guys can be seated for a couple seconds and I don't know if I'm going to be vulnerable here. Hmm. Um, I didn't really like the sermon today I know. <laughs> because um, you know me and you know that we joke about the fact that I am not vulnerable <laughs> and we make a joke that, oh yeah, Christy will say exactly what she wants you to hear, nothing more. And she'll tell a joke, you know, because <laughs> the whole vulnerable thing is super uncomfortable. And I didn't oh. like the exercise at the end. And it was awkward and uncomfortable. You know, mm. the whole idea of being vulnerable is hard for me. And so I guess it's just you put out there that like, so if I put it all out there, are people going to still like me? Right. And that's why but we look in God's word and we see over and over again how darkness nothing good happens in the darkness. You have to bring it to light. And I think that's why we've been repeating um, about our engage groups on Wednesday nights and about yep. finding a trusted person, a friend, a, faith, the, um, a safe person that you can be vulnerable with. And right. I don't think that like right now, okay, everybody take turns coming to the stage and tell all <laughs> your stuff. I don't think that's necessarily no, what God's saying. He's saying, find a safe place, where well, you can be vulnerable, and with him is a safe place, obviously, yeah. and then find someone that can walk through that with you, um, in the in the difficult things, so that it can be brought to light.
1: Well, I think we we project what we think on other people. So the reason we don't really want to be vulnerable is because really we don't really like ourselves that much. And so we're afraid that other people are going to treat us like we're already treating ourselves. And that's where shame comes in. Mm-hmm. And so exposing it and then seeing someone else love us unconditionally, that's why it starts with Jesus and then to other people. It's, there's amazing freedom in that. So find a trusted friend. Right. So find one, somebody, and we say all our, the time, yeah. don't do life alone. Right. Don't do life alone. Yeah, you're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to do life alone. We we say it's all about Jesus all the time. These last two songs, awesome, right. Christ be magnified, Jesus you know, Build over my everything. life right in the middle. Jesus over everything. It's all about that. It's not about anything else. So
0: okay. Well, thanks for the challenge today. Hopefully, you guys will be challenged with that. Thank you guys for coming out today. Remember, here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow
1: Jesus. Have a great week. <laughs>